0: welcome to the battleground wisconsin my name is matt bruski and i'm the deputy director here at citizen action of wisconsin and welcome to 2022. we start off this new year with our full panel which means claire zauke our healthcare director is with us claire it's great to have you back here in 2022.
1: oh thank you it's good to be back happy (sighs) new year
0: happy happy new year because us uh, you know 2021 could go as far as i was concerned challenging year it was nice though to have a week off i hope our listeners didn't miss us too much uh robert craig is with us and robert i hope you enjoyed your week off hope you enjoyed your break it's great to have you again robert craig our executive director here at citizen action robert good to have you yep
2: yeah, break throw was too short but Yes, and Happy New Year, everyone. We're uh, this is New Year 2022, so quite an important year we're just getting into.
0: So, folks, it's um, Robert said it. It's a big year, and we're recording on Thursday, January sixth. Uh, obviously, the one-year anniversary of the insurrection. We are going to talk more about that later, um, but we have to start the show. Um, we are. We are a healthcare organization. Uh, We have Claire Zopke, our healthcare director, on this show. And we have been talking about COVID and the COVID pandemic pretty much every week. We occasionally will take a break to focus on other things, but we have to start. Unfortunately, we have to start 2022 by talking about COVID. Um, We, as of today, are coming off two record days for covid Positivity rates. Um, we have yesterday on Wednesday, the state reported over ten thousand positive cases. Um, we have had deaths uh, that are huge. We have record um, hospitalization rates for for this pandemic. Record ICU hospitalization rates in the last week and two days ago, we had fifty eight deaths. Yesterday, there were twenty. You know, the numbers are stark. Uh, the positive the testing positivity rates of the folks showing up and getting tested uh, are just shockingly large, Claire. This is a very challenging time, and we're still waiting. Right? Uh, we talked about this last year about the testing problem, and I'm sure many of our listeners have been in lines or know people have been in lines. Uh, it is a challenge uh, to get properly tested, Claire. Welcome back, unfortunately, I turn to you to start us off here on a very tough topic, the state of where we are in COVID and particularly COVID here in Wisconsin, Claire. It's
1: mad. Uh, it's never fun to uh, have to spend some time at the top of these shows giving our COVID updates. I won't go back and repeat the numbers you said about um, where we are in Wisconsin, as far as uh, just exceptionally high new case numbers. Um, But there was a uh, number released recently in the news that got not a lot of attention, which is that um, since the uh, vaccines have been widely available, in which time we're calling COVID deaths from that point preventable deaths, Um, the US has passed 160,000 preventable deaths because of COVID-19. So we can only expect that number to continue to rise in all across the country, including in Wisconsin, as we've seen by the numbers you've given, which is that we are back to having numbers of active cases in this country that are rivaling the highest peaks in the fall of 2020. So this is uh, a serious situation. Um, This is also a situation that public health experts and commentators like us, I don't necessarily consider myself an expert, um, but commentators like us predicted, right? Which is that uh, people were gonna let their guard down during the holidays, that this Omicron variant can be spread by people who are vaccinated and um, that, that we would see a spike in early January because of it. And I will say, I did not expect the spike to be as high as it is, um, which is is scary. Um, but I feel like this week, and I don't know, Matt, if, if you have had this experience as well, but I feel like this week I sat down to my computer and um, checked social social media. And it was just flooded, flooded with friends who were talking about how you know they'd been exposed or their kids had it, and how frustrated they were that they were vaccinated and boosted, and yet, you know, here they are quarantining. Um, so, uh, so yeah, this is a this is a, a serious situation uh, for health reasons, um, but also for disruption of public services.
0: But, it's, Claire, it's... You, you you mentioned a couple of things that I just want to quick follow. One is yes we have all, right, these numbers, um, they match with what we've seen in our own networks and families, right, over the last couple of weeks. And I certainly have that. We've, we've got a, a, a couple of staff members who got sick, one who is still, after three weeks, feeling some of the symptoms from it, right, and she's fully vaccinated. Um, however, The other point that you made, Claire, is the numbers still are very stark about hospitalizations, ICU rates and deaths, that this is still largely the unvaccinated that are in serious trouble. It doesn't mean that we aren't having breakthroughs that, um, you know, quite frankly, wiping people out for a few days, if not longer, that are vaccinated Um, but that is complicated things because I, we've seen it on our social media. I've seen people coming and being, Oh, the vaccines aren't working. People are getting breakthroughs, right? It is. That's why I wanted to underscore before I go to you, Robert, or is this is still largely as far as morbidity and serious complications, um, a problem for the unvaccinated Robert, your thoughts.
2: Well, this is all very predictable and it, result of our divisions and our inadequate, this is bipartisan, pandemic response. Democrats not doing enough. Republicans actually undermining the pandemic response and undermining unity. We've been saying on Battleground Wisconsin since 2020 that there would be, we would need to vaccinate the world. And to do that, we'd have to deal with the rigged system of uh, global trade set up by American corporations and big pharma that prevent the manufacture of these drugs cheaply for lesser-developed countries, or there would be constant variations and mutations. And so we've allowed COVID-19 to use the human population worldwide and here in this country as a petri dish. And yes, there are going to be worse and worse variants. And with this variant, Omicron, there's entirely too much discussion by media using the word milder. Yes, it seems to in terms of if you get it, have a lower risk of death, right? Especially if you're vaccinated and boosted. But it's still very serious. And so many more people are getting it. It's so much more infectious. As many people may or more may still die than with with Delta. uh, They're going to have to keep revise this. It's like predicting the weather. They will not be absolutely accurate. We're not anywhere near the peak. They're talking about this peaking in late January. So we got another month of this, of a steep upward curve. And then you see, and we can get into this, but uh, we still do not have a, a waiver at the WTO to allow the cheap manufacture of these drugs. And uh, I know we're going to come to a break soon, but we can get into it after the break. But Ron Kind is actually part of the problem. But the situation is the U.S. changed its position on the vaccine, not other uh, medications for COVID, but hasn't really pushed it in the EU. Because I'm blocking it. So all of us social Democrats who listen to Ballard, Wisconsin, you know, the European countries are bought out and sold out to multinational corporations just as much as we are. They have better social safety nets and uh, actually have labor rights. So there you have it. But it's going to continue. And we could get an Omicron that's more deadly. I mean, Omicron is spreading so much here in this country and around the world, there could be there's even more of an opportunity for mutations. Oh, so, Ro- Robert, I over I'd, until we can get our act together.
0: I don't think that's even in doubt at this point. I, Omicron's gonna be more deadly because of what we're already seeing. I mean, the hospitalization rates started ticking down a little bit last month as Delta started to wane, and it's jumped right back up. And the death rates are not good on this, and we continue to have as 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 we just said over and over way too many people unvaccinated and by the way we don't talk enough about this way too many people undervaccinated who have not gotten their boosters yeah um, and and children are still young children largely remain unvaccinated and we're continuing to see increases of children who are getting sick um look i know we got to go and to a break
2: i was gonna yep. say matt and people have taken the masks off you go to a grocery store Majority will not have masks, sitting in bars, sitting in restaurants. Folks, you can't do that. And until we control this pandemic, you need to be safe or loved ones or people you don't even know who you infected unknowingly will die, are dying now. And it's really a sad commentary of human nature, but it's true. Apparently, without leadership, people will just proceed and act as if things are normal because they want them to be normal.
0: And folks, it doesn't have to be this way. Robert, we've all talked about how our government, how we've chosen to handle this in this country. I mean, just it stands in sharp contrast to what's happening with the Australian Open. uh, And the number one tennis player in the world is being held up right now in immigration because they tried to slip him in, even though he's unvaccinated. Um, But it looks like he's not going to he's probably not going to get in. And you look at the infection rates right now in other countries who have been much more strict about this. It is night and day, night and day. They do not have even remotely close to the infection rates. We have chosen to try to basically allow it to ravage through our people. With that, folks, we got to take our first break of 2022. You're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin, where Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back. To the Battleground, Wisconsin, we are talking about, uh, just because it's just shocking and its scope, the continuing COVID pandemic. Um, Robert, we are going to transition into talking about what's been going on with the one year anniversary. Uh, but before we do, um, you want to just uh, give us an update on Senator Ron Johnson and his latest covid just you know part of the reason we're in this is we have leaders like ron johnson spouting nonsense that is not helping and is completely counterproductive uh, to dealing with this pandemic robert the latest with senator ron johnson
2: well let me let me let me say that and then let's say something more about the trips made waiver so we can end more in terms of proactive things the proactive thing on johnson is to defeat him obviously which is a huge 2020 issue 2022 issue he continues to say the most outrageous things. And I I remind our listeners, we think this means he's in trouble electorally. No, this is an attempt. It's it's the Trumpian lane to so thrill and excite their base that they overwhelm us, particularly if we do not offer enough to our base, which we're currently not doing, actually, in terms of giving people a real meaningful reason to vote. In fact, failing to pass Bill Back or failing to handle covid as well as we could, all our, you know, strikes against the Democratic Party, because Democrats need to be the ones that can show democracy works and govern. But it just Johnson continues to find new, unbelievable things to say. He uh, threw uh, cold water on the on the vaccine today, uh, this week on a conservative talk show, got national attention as usual for this stuff, because he he said basically that. Um, why do we think we can improve on God, that our natural defenses would be better? And, I, you know, we're talking about all the herd immunity, which turns out to be a lie. And it's an amazing proposition. I mean, we shouldn't have modern medicine. Why does Ron Johnson go to hospitals? We shouldn't have cars. We should use our feet. I mean, God also created um, us as as gay, our minds and our ability to invent things and the ability to invent vaccines and if there is a you know physical God thinking about it the way some people think it is, I think it 's probably much more beyond our comprehension than that um, then they wouldn't appreciate us not using our god given gifts to limit the spread of a deadly disease but this is. Throwbacks to I don't know anti-science stuff in the 18th and 19th century. It's just stunning coming from a U.S. senator.
0: Well, look, Robert, when Johnson says things like this, it allows, you know, what we've been talking about going on with the base to continue, but it also allows things like this TRIPS waiver, where there isn't enough public pressure. First of all, support for the vaccine and the idea that we need to be vaccinated. Uh, and, and so we continue to have this situation where the TRIPS waiver is stalled at the WTO. Um, and and so I want to give both you and Claire an opportunity to talk about this, because look, the U.S. is completely relying on vaccinations. That's it. That is really clearly our only strategy. And it's a completely failed strategy right now uh, because of our own internal issues with getting our own populace vaccinated, which certainly other countries are dealing with. But this absolute problem we have with getting the global community vaccinated because of, let's say it, corporate greed.
2: I do want to remind folks, the vaccine, this is the confusion about this, is not intended to prevent infection. Vaccines are intended to prevent injury and death. So the vaccines are still working, but it was overly hopeful that on the earlier variants they actually prevent you from getting infected, okay? So though, though you're still less likely to be infected if you're vaccinated, but that was, that's never the goal of a vaccine but that means you can spread it, right? So that that hasn't been well explained. The CDC has been doing a terrible job. In fact, the scandal over there, confusing change in the quarantine rules, which seems to be caving to the airlines and other corporations, just is awful. They're not letting CDC scientists talk directly to the public, just like the Trump administration. So we need to depoliticize the CDC. But let me remind, we've been talking about it more than most places on Battleground Wisconsin, about the TRIPS waiver, just review what we've talked about on previous episodes of Battleground Wisconsin, there was no such thing as intellectual property over drugs like this worldwide until it was negotiated by the United States, pushed by the United States at the behest of Big Pharma in the 80s and 90s. It was bipartisan, Reagan and Clinton. And now they are, even though most of, these, uh, of the vaccines were paid for by public research, okay, holding on to these intellectual property and therefore very few people are vaccinated in, in the global South and the poorer countries of the world. I mean, tiny proportions and they're not then they keep promising to expand capacity. They haven't currently big pharma is telling the lie that it's not possible to manufacture more. No one else has the expertise. The New York times has debunked that others have debunked that there are many countries, Argentina, Brazil, India, that have this kind of capacity. And so I believe Indonesia and uh, have that kind of sophistication. And so right now what's happening is the U.S. changed its official position, but hasn't been really used all of its power at the WTO. The EU and the United Kingdom have been blocking. So they're in lockstep with Pharma. And Ron Kind, our Congressman, call him, signed on to a public letter, he's a big Pharma recipient of money, uh, Big, backing up the lie that it, that, it, that removing the TRIPS waiver wouldn't help because no one else could manufacture it. I have a question for Congressman Kind. That is, if no one else can manufacture it, why keep the waiver? What's the purpose of the waiver? Apparently, though, it's important to keep to to keep the intellectual property rights, even though they were, they're out. they're apparently worthless because no one else can manufacture it. You can't have it both ways, obviously. Well, Claire, so it's clearly a lie on faith.
0: Claire, could, just just to follow, put a point on part of what Robert's saying, underscore the critical importance of we're going to have this vaccine strategy of of solving this, right, from just a straight health perspective. And really, this is, quite frankly, you could argue one of the most undercovered stories of 2021 and how important this is, Claire.
1: Absolutely, right. So there's two reasons why the TRIPS waiver is really important. And um, one of them is a basic human life argument, right, which is that um, countries, uh, so for example, South Africa and India, I believe, were the the people back in October of 2020 who petitioned the World Trade Organization to uh, sort of start this TRIPS waiver process, that people in countries like that just don't have access to vaccines and that if we value their human lives as much as we value our own, which we ought to, um, then they need to be able to manufacture their own vaccines because they are just never going to be able to buy the limited supply that um, American and British and I think Russian maybe companies are making. So, that's that's number one. They just got to be able to produce their own if they're gonna if they're if they're gonna save the lives of their own people, right? Um, and then the second argument, um, as we've talked about, relates to variants, right? Which is that we need to get as many people as possible vaccinated as quickly as possible, so that we um, can slow down the rate of new variants developing, like Delta and Omicron. Um, I wanna tie this back to our conversation that we had earlier though, about why slowing the spread of the um, Omicron variant amongst even vaccinated people is so important, right? Because I think in the United States, we've gotten sort of used to this idea that variants come from other countries because that's where the the virus is spreading really quickly. Um, and that if, you know, to Robert's point, if um, the, the <laughs> argument that Omicron is, you know, quote unquote, less um, severe or milder, um, then we don't really need to be worried about it. And I think that eliminates a whole big argument about why we should, as vaccinated people, still not want to catch and do everything we can to prevent catching um, the COVID virus is because we don't want the United States to be a place where a new variant could spring up as well. So like, even if this um, virus is running through vaccinated people and causing them just to get sick and to get over it quickly, like it's still in our bodies and offering it an opportunity to mutate. Um, so those are the two reasons why we should be really concerned about um, not only the TRIPS waiver, but also... Um, about slowing the spread mm-hmm. of of this virus.
0: Claire, so I'd actually like to get your thoughts on one one other thing Robert brought up, and that's the CDC and Robert, if we get a chance for any final comments, I, I actually this is this is a growing problem. Um, and it's now been under two administrations. Your thoughts, because like people don't believe politicians anymore. and if you can't believe the CDC, it gets really challenging uh Claire your thoughts from a you know just from a public health perspective
1: from a public health perspective it is very confusing um i mean recently with the news that the um cdc uh put out that said um that vaccinated people can shorten the length of their quarantine periods um and um, even saying if you were positive, you should still test after uh, ten days or whatever, but you can start going back out into the world after five, as long as you're masked. Uh, I think was the guidance, or something close to that. Is so confusing. I'm, I'm like, is that ma-? okay, Roberts, Even in hearing on. you
0: say, I think that's the guidance is disturbing, guidance. right? And speaks right. to the and, problem.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've had conversations with many friends who are trying to under one understand the guidance and number two are now so jaded about how frequently the guidance has changed that it's hard to know, like literally asking the question, is this because our science and understanding has evolved? And so we're updating the guidelines because of that? Or is it because of pressure from companies like airlines who want all of their flight attendants to be able to go back to work, right? And the fact that the public is questioning the motives of the CDC and why they're changing their guidance is a huge problem because it means that people are losing faith in what should be the one trusted place for yeah. accurate, safe, factual, scientifically driven information on how they should behave.
0: Yeah, and Robert also mentioned, we're gonna have to quick go to break, uh, but Robert did not mention that the, the, we need the folks, the scientists at the CDC to be able to speak publicly and uh, not, not have this backed up because that way they can answer questions directly, um, but also, I just I, I think it's part of the disconnect. But, anyways, we got we got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin for Citizen Action. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin for Citizen Action, Robert. I I know uh, you didn't get a chance. If there's anything else you'd like to add to our conversation on COVID before we uh, move on, I just want to give you that opportunity.
2: Lord. When we had the H1N1 uh, spreading, CDC scientists just stood up and talked every day, providing the scientific information. Trump shut all that down because he wanted to basically suppress that there was a pandemic for political purposes. That's well documented. It's interesting that the Biden administration didn't go back to the old practice. Now, I understand it's tough. You're in an era of disinformation. Fox News is grabbing any scientific information they can use to, to distort, right, in order to create division and to get more profit, just like pharma is all about profit, profits over people here. Um, but I know it's tough. And if, if Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC and, and, their poli- and their political team, were translating it really well and clearly so people had faith in it, then maybe you could credit the model, it's been a disaster. When she told all vaccinated people to take off their masks last May, everyone took off their masks, including the unvaccinated people, and helped spread ultimately the Delta variant. And now the airlines, a couple of days before they changed the guidance on quarantine, asked for this. I believe the uh, pilots union and their great president, Sarah Nelson, who says this was political, way more than I believe the CDC, and that's a problem. So I think they need to change course. I don't know if Rochelle Walensky is the person being political or whether it's coming from somewhere else, but whatever it is, it's like one disaster after another. And there didn't cause all the disinformation on social media. Actually, the greatest of disinformation is coming. There's new research on this from TV news, from Fox, Newsmax, One America is having much more influence than social media on this. But nonetheless, it, you know we better be really good and impregnable with the real information on our side in order to withstand the disinformation on the other side. This just makes it worse and gives them uh, plenty of ammunition to try to discredit uh, the idea that you even need to get vaccinated.
0: So With that, we are going to switch topics, tra- uh, transition. Uh, just wanted to give an opportunity for just some reflections on the one-year anniversary of the insurrection. Now, there is obviously going to be a lot of media about this, but in some ways, there can never be too much said about this. Um, I personally am somewhat alarmed as a political professional as to how we have sort of all kind of gone back to discussing the current upcoming election and very standard traditional, oh, it's an off year election. And in some ways, like nothing's happened. Um, And that could be tied in my mind it's tied to the fact that there hasn't been any real full accounting for exactly what happened we're starting to get you know charges brought one could argue whether they are to the the chart or shall we say the fines or to the level of what happened uh, but we still have a, a essentially one political party that refuses almost to even accept that it it, it happened robert i just want to get your thoughts um and uh, Claire, obviously, if you have any other thoughts after Robert, please add them, but just wanted to give you each an opportunity uh, on this uh, critical anniversary.
2: Well, there's a remarkable consensus uh, among Democrats and anyone who's not a partisan Republican that democracy is at risk. There's actually a consensus that democracy is at risk that includes conservatives, but they believe the big lie. So they have a, a, an alternative fictional narrative So it's interesting, Matt, you pointed out the normalization of it, right? Um, This is Thursday morning. I think everyone knows that's what we record. I was able to listen, though, uh, to the speeches given by Vice President Harris and President Biden this morning, and they really stepped it up. So uh, Vice President Harris, who was obviously not given the longest speech, you don't step on the president, right, compared this to December 7th. Pearl Harbor, and September 11th, the Al-Qaeda attack on the United States as days that will live in infamy. So that's appropriate and pushes back against the normalization, Matt, you just warned about. President Biden has been under great pressure in general to actually use the bully pulpit. Every progressive talk show I go on, that's most, a lot, one of the major things callers want to talk about and host. He has stepped up today, that is Thursday speech he just gave at the Capitol was really a well-done speech. Now, I heard it audio. I didn't see it delivered. And folks know that's a difference in how you perceive it. In other words, in the famous 1960 presidential debate between Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy, people who were on the radio thought Nixon won. People who saw it on TV thought Kennedy won. So I didn't see how he looked giving it. But the text itself, and the, way he, and the way he delivered it orally was great. And it was full out on the big lie, the threat to democracy, uh, pulling no punches at all, sounding like speeches before the Civil War about the threat of disunion. I mean, that's strong. Um, he would, went right after Trump. He said Trump put a dagger to the throat of democracy, which really sounds like they pulled that from an antebellum speech. That's like real old time 19th century oratory. And he said that Trump would rather, if he can't rule the country, he wants to ruin it. And so he flat out called for us to defend democracy and pass voting rights. So we'll see whether this moves the ball, because the latest um, Manchinology, reading what Manchin says, is not good on voting rights and a filibuster workaround. But this is going to up the pressure. and He's finally uh, seized the bully pulpit. It'll be interesting to see how it's received. The NPR hosts afterwards were flabbergasted by it, so that's a good sign. Let's see, uh, let's see how that goes. But really, I think they, he finally did what people have been begging for him to do, and and really laid down a marker.
0: Claire, do you have any thoughts? Otherwise, I can do a follow-up question. To you. Follow-up. So, Claire, you just heard Robert there. Robert talked about this speech and sort of Democrats upping the ante, certainly at least the president, the vice president in terms of rhetorically, uh, the significance of what happened. And then Robert immediately, I shouldn't say immediately, but at the end mentioned uh, the voting rights bill. Here's the problem, right? Rhetorically, we go there, but then the ability to respond or provide any one like solutions seems greatly limited right now for all the reasons we've been talking about with the filibuster. Your thoughts about all of this in that perspective, right? That we still remain in this very challenging time where all of this is at stake, but like any effort to congressionally redress any of the concerns that are related to what happened seem paralyzed, which seems terrifying to head into an election where you're rhetorically saying one thing, but you can't govern and can't actually solve any of those problems. Um, any thoughts to that?
1: Definitely, uh, I'm trying to organize my thoughts to know where to start. So let's start with the Voting Rights Act. I think that, and this is based on uh, sort of rumors that I've heard from national partners of ours earlier this week that while Build Back Better continues to have um, sort of quiet negotiations going on behind the scenes between Congress and the President and a few key legislators, that uh, the leadership of the Senate Dems is going to shift their attention to focusing on the Voting's Right the Voter Voting Rights Act, uh, in particular, um, in timing that's aligned with the upcoming um, holiday, um, MLK holiday in the middle of the month as a tie-in to sort of highlight how voting rights have been eroded um, and particularly how people of color and black Americans have been disenfranchised by voting restrictions uh, much more so than any other population. And uh, so I think that we're going to see a big push in January around the Voting Rights Act. The filibuster is obviously a problem, but what I've heard is that there might be some um, mechanisms that could allow for a sort of one-time bypass of the filibuster. I don't know enough about congressional procedures to know what that is, but that there is some hope that something like that could exist and that they might be able to, to do that for the Voting Rights Act. So, so of course, that would be a good a good boon. A, vic- a small victory if we can, if
0: we can make that happen this month. It, it would seem like it's critical on multiple fronts. One, just showing the ability to have victory, but like we've talked about it on the show, if, if we're not able to redress what's been passed in a number of States, and certainly there's, we, and you know, we'll talk more about the continued push here in Wisconsin. Um, it's going to be a really bad election. So like this is just from a straight political uh, strategy it seems like the right thing to do but also just you know in the broader context with what we just talked about uh, the one-year anniversary of this insurrection and you know the attack on democratic rights um robert we'll get your thoughts right after the break you're listening to the battleground wisconsin where citizen action can find us at citizenactionwi.org welcome back to the battleground wisconsin we're reflecting on the one-year anniversary of the insurrection, but really, quite frankly, looking forward and trying to have a conversation about how did the Democrats actually, in the immediately, but uh, this year, provide solutions uh, for some of these for this issue. Robert, your thoughts?
2: Well, the question is if the Democratic Party can govern, and remember, President Biden has a difficult hand. No transformative president has had to work with a 50-50 margin, get every member of his party. In addition, the Democratic Party, in some ways, and we've been talking about this for a while, I've written about it, not, not a unified party. It is, in fact, uh, uh, Bill Fletcher Jr., the great organizer and strategist, wrote a column in December that argued that all the Democrats are the un-Republican party, that is, they're everyone who is not a fascist we are pre-fascist right now, as I would put it. And that, that's why you can have a Manchin and a Sanders in the same party. But it is, there's nothing we can do. Manchin and cinema have this power because we need their votes. And they're willing, even though it's immoral for them to exercise this outsized influence over the whole country that did not elect them, they're willing to do it. And so the question is, and uh, you know, Biden and Schumer have more inside information, how to back them down. Because on Build Back Better, you have the problem that we can, we have a way to pass it uh, by 50 votes, budget reconciliation, but Mansion doesn't support it currently. And then on voting rights, they support voting rights. Mansion Cinema that they won't adjust this archaic filibuster that has been adjusted many many times, and obviously has to change with the times, and which was created to protect first slavery and then Jim Crow, and and it was never intended by. The, the framers of the Constitution that not have simple majority rule in the U.S. Senate. And so it is just a stunning situation, but we've got to get through it because if we can't get them, then they really can steal the 2022 election and then the 2024 election. And democracy as we know it uh, comes to an end. And uh, Biden today in his speech literally compared Trump to autocrats and said he's a wannabe autocrat, said that directly. I mean, said the said what everyone's thinking out loud as, from the president's bully pulpit. So let's see if that charges it up. But then there's a second level, which I know you want to get to, Matt, and that is the uh, Wisconsin's one of the four or five states that determines everything. And so we're at the cutting edge of the attack on democracy. And so we have even more responsibility here to preserve the integrity of democracy here in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we are increasingly becoming ground zero for that effort Uh, just since we last had our show and I throw this open to comment to either of you we had a state representative introduce legislation over the break that would essentially nullify allow them to nullify election results and put the legislature uh, in a stronger position uh, to essentially solve their problem for 2020 if it goes that way in 2022 uh On the positive side, we're continuing to see local leaders, uh, in particular, we'll mention the Green Bay Mayor Eric Genrich, uh, who are pushing back on the sham investigation of Gableman, uh, and our you know the mayor tried is asking a judge to uh, fine and go after uh, Gableman for his quite frankly they just say lies uh, in terms of. Uh, what he's been saying. Um, Claire uh, and Robert want to give you both an opportunity uh, to, to, to discuss this. Uh, Claire, your thoughts?
1: So obvious that the strategy here has been to drag this phony investigation, this big lie out for two years so that this would still be an issue in the midterm election year, which you know now we're here. And back in 2020, that seemed almost inconceivable because with such a long period of time, I was like, how are people gonna be buying into this BS for two years? How is there enough creativity to create fake (laughs) issues for two years? And yet here we are. And I, I just, you know, my heart goes out to these local elected officials who are trying to implement elections. And local leaders like Mayor Genrich of Green Bay, who are trying to stand up to this nonsense, because it, it's just got to have been so exhausting to deal with for two years. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous is I think the word that uh, Mayors Genrich and rhodes Conway are using. Um, I I think I read that, uh, and uh, it feels appropriate. i will right. go to Robert for his thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think I think our base is is crying for us to fight back, okay? And we're going to have to use any means necessary. There are still official means, but we've seen that it looks like the state Supreme Court is going to go ahead and invent legal doctrine in order to re-rig the map so that uh, the the, the 2010 rig maps can be extended 20 years based on the power given in one election and very undemocratically. And We've had bizarre things going on, uh, the, the state assembly speaker and members calling for the arrest or prosecution of Wisconsin election commissioners, right, of, of, and gablemen of mayors, of the mayors of Madison and Green Bay. You mentioned uh, Mayor Genrich fighting back, and uh, we had the Racine County sheriff using his office which I'm telling you is misconduct in office and a class one felony, but crickets on any investigation to that from the Wisconsin attorney general or from the uh, Racine County DA, but asking, referring five of the six election commissioners for prosecution for allowing nursing home workers to vote and taking action that everyone voted for on the election commission, including the three Republicans initially. And then in addition to that, which no one questioned. They filed lawsuit after lawsuit, Republicans did in 2020, they didn't question this. But after the election, they decided to claim it must have been fraudulent. It shows the election was stolen and it was uh, somehow a, a bunch of different uh, crimes and felonies. Just bizarre stuff going on. And we know that uh, election clerks all over the country are facing coercion and violence. As are teachers, as are flight attendants trying to enforce basic public safety rules, as are anyone. That's why grocery stores have backed down, because their employees are endangered by getting right-wing folks to, to wear masks, and a over 30% of Republicans thinking violence is appropriate. Unbelievable. I mean, this is very much like the Civil War, uh, the original Civil War. And so there's a very dangerous situation. We need a very strong movement to counter this, and we can't just say, oh, a court ruled against us, we're going home, or oh, they have the power to pass a law. We're going home. We're, we need to try to win those lawsuits. A lot of great legal work is being done, but we also need to even think more broadly. We need a movement that, that cannot be denied, that changes this whole political context. We cannot, If we don't fight for our democracy, we will lose it.
0: Yeah, folks, I want to call your attention to an article that was published today in the Wisconsin Examiner by Jeffrey Mendel from Law Forward, and um, he picks up on a strand that um, this show talked about, and that is holding the fraudulent electors accountable, who attempted last, uh, in in 2022, after that election, to submit uh, electors in favor of Trump, um, which is appalling. And I want to make sure folks see that. This is all connected, right? And all of this is essentially, you know, what we're swimming in and Robert, you're right to say, uh, we have got to step up. We have got to fight this stuff and not let people forget about it this year. It is really what's central, this whole big lie and everything that happened on the sixth of last year, um, is, is what this election is about in, in a very broad way. There will be details, there'll be specific policies that will be discussed but the kind of broader democracy that we want in this country is what's at stake here in 2022. And I want to challenge all of our listeners to not be armchair quarterbacks, to not be on the sidelines and just sort of watching and handicapping that that is not what our democracy needs at this moment. Uh, We need active people. And I want to encourage you all to get involved in this campaign. And we here at Citizen Action, have already begun. We started last November uh, focusing on 2022 uh, in terms of talking to very important voters uh, th- that are going to be voting this fall uh, in important state legislative districts that will be important not only in those districts, but important to the US Senate race, the governor's race, all of these areas, and voters who will be important. And we are having volunteers make phone calls. Uh, After being trained by our professional Canvas team, we have a full-time field team that does the revolutionary deep Canvas model. You'll be given a crash course in that model and then be uh, allowed to start making calls to these voters and having these really, really important conversations that aren't quick conversations. They're deeper conversations where you really get a chance to talk with somebody Um, And not just anybody. These are really important voters. So we're going to be doing these pretty much every Tuesday night here in January. We'll have a link where you can sign up Tuesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Again, starting next Tuesday, uh, January 11th. We were actually making calls uh, this week, but want to encourage you starting next Tuesday, the 11th, 6 p.m. Make phone calls and we're going to be doing this throughout the year. Um, And so great opportunity to learn. And have conversations and be a part of saving uh, this absolutely critical democracy. Folks, we got to go At the end of the show. We really appreciate you listening. We are excited for 2022 because we're ready to fight and we're ready to win uh, this year. And we look forward to having you be involved in that fight and continuing to listen to the Battleground Wisconsin. want to thank our producer Brian Wildridge who makes the show happen every week it's hard to thank him enough uh for the work he does to produce the show in the middle of a pandemic but thank you Brian Wildridge I want to thank our listeners and we'll see you all here next week at the Battleground Wisconsin